Camelot. Camelot. It's only a model. We go to the mountains, we go to the coast. At the coast, we have Randy Slack from ESPN Wilmington, rslack37 on Twitter, and Jeremy Green from ESPN Asheville at ESPN Draft Nerd. Uh, there he is. I'm still looking for Randy. At some point, Randy will show up. He'll pop up. <laughs> and uh, Until that does, I, th- I hear him. But uh, until that time does, we have uh, we have Jeremy Green from ESPN Asheville. Uh, all right, we're going to talk about the Panthers and the draft and ACC hoops. We got all of that. All right, since uh, uh, Jeremy, since your Twitter handle is at ESPN Draft Nerd, I'm just going to throw this right to you. Number nine to the Panthers. Stay there and draft the quarterback. Trade up and draft the quarterback. What do you do? Or trade back and do something else. Well, if you want a quarterback, you're not staying at nine because none of them will be there. All, uh, all is gonna four go. are going to be gone before nine? All four will be gone before nine. Anthony Richardson won't last past the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, which would be just avoid that at all costs. Anthony Richardson, is that's a terrible idea. Uh, my last mock, I had Carolina trading up at, to five with Seattle to get C.J. Stroud. Really? Five to – why is C.J. Stroud going to be there at five? Well, Will Levis is the one that's going to just blow out the combine because he's 6'4 and built like a Terminator and and has the gigantic Jamarcus Russell arm, and we've seen that. He's Josh when Allen. They go to Indianapolis, the, people just get intoxicated by the big arm, and they, they, they overlook some of the deficiencies. Right. Now, Levis's deficiencies, I would argue, is because he played at Kentucky where he didn't have any talent around him. Uh, I like Levis. I like Bryce Young. Everybody talks about him being so small. It didn't seem to hurt Russell Wilson and – until he had his own office in Denver and became somebody <laughs> that carries his dog around in his in his purse, but uh, it, it worked for him for a while. So, I mean, if you want a quarterback, you're going to have to trade up. The good thing is that you've got a, a former friend in Seattle that probably would look to get out of five. All right. Well, uh, I can't believe that there's that all four quarterbacks are going to be gone. Uh, you, you, you. It says here, ESPN draft nerd. All right, Randy. If you're the Panthers, I asked Jeremy this question, Randy Slack from uh, ESPN Wilmington. If you're the uh, if you're the Panthers, are you staying at nine and taking a quarterback? Uh, Jeremy says the quarterbacks will all be gone by nine. So do you, do you have to trade up, or do you uh, trade back, get more picks? Because none of these guys are sure things. I don't believe. No, I don't think any of them are sure things. And in reality, we've seen quarterbacks on the move. Every offseason now, it seems like you can get a guy if you really want one. And to me personally, I wait. I take the best guy available. I take the guy we like the most. If that's a quarterback and he's there at nine, you take him. If it's not, keep building the team, and eventually a quarterback will come. Jalen Hurts is a second-round pick. Brock Purdy was a seventh-round pick. You don't have to take the first overall guy. And even if you do, Trevor Lawrence was number one overall. Everybody would have known he was the number one guy. The Jags had the number one pick next year. If you trade up and then you need that pick again, because you will need that pick the next year, it's gone now. Well, the Panthers certainly do like to trade future assets for uh, for current assets. They have unfortunately done that too many times. Here's what I keep hearing. Jeremy, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, that the Panthers – replenished so many assets with the Christian McCaffrey trade. But didn't they basically just get back to zero? 
Uh, I mean, you could look at it that way between the between some of the moves they've made. I mean, now you have future capital. The the other positive of that is that this won't be a year that it's that expensive to move up. I mean, look, this is not a good draft class. This is probably the worst class I've ever evaluated. It's deep, and so there you can get guys at the top of the second round that that uh, talent wise are back into the first round guys. There's right. just not a lot of high end. So why the, why are we trading up? What am I missing? <laughs> well, the quarterbacks are the best players in the draft. Uh, I mean, on my board, I've got Bijan Robinson at one. Uh, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter is 2A and 2B. Right. And then it's basically Bryce Young, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud. And and I think depending on where – look, the reason I like Stroud so much to, to Carolina, I love this staff that Frank Wright brought in. Mm-hmm. I can argue it's the best staff in the NFL. And I don't, and I don't necessarily put Frank Wright that high, but having – Thomas Smith and Deuce Staley and Azira Averro and Dom Capers and Jim Caldwell. That's, that's a great staff that can coach up a raw prospect. What always worries me is when you get the raw prospect that goes to Josh McDaniels or goes <laughs> to Cliff Kingsbury, and they just expect you to be a ready-made product because they don't know how to develop you. I don't think it's going to be a problem in Carolina. This, to me, is the year you go get the guy. They're not going to be bad enough to get Caleb Williams or Drake May or Quinn Ewers next year. Those are three better prospects. I won't argue that, but you're not going to be bad enough to get them. And it would be extremely expensive to get up there and, and try to make a move next year. Um, Randy, can you and I talk about your plan, which would be my plan too, which would be to trade back since um, Jeremy says that this draft is, uh, you know, not great because I don't think any of the quarterbacks are worth trading up for zero of them. In my opinion, are worth trading up for the math tells us that these guys have maybe a one in three chance of being good NFL quarterbacks. Um, but so why not trade back, compile a bunch of assets and then next year trade up to get either Caleb Williams or Drake may, since if you're from Charlotte, you're obviously going to be great for the Panthers. Would that be a better plan? They do love people from Charlotte uh, over there at the Carolina Panthers. They should change the name. Just make it the Charlotte Panthers, you know, just instead of engulfing the entire both states. No, but to your point, trading back sounds good. But, again, if four quarterbacks are going to go before you and you're already a top ten pick team, now you're picking a guy talent-wise who could be a top three guy. Now the, the margins there aren't great, maybe, but it's still you're you're getting a guy who already clear impact player for your team. Jeremy, how good? Are, what other positions are good in this draft? Again, we we may have to agree to disagree. I think the quarter. I think all four of those quarterbacks have major, uh, major flaws. You say that Bryce Young is small, but Russell Wilson is small too. Bryce Bryce Young is not only small but slight. Russell Wilson was small but thick, and I think those and two I, things I feel like are Bryce different. Can add some weight. That's one of the th- mm. that's one of the places that I'm different from a lot of people. I think when he gets to the NFL, they're going to fatten him he, up. He, that's what I wanted to say. It was an ex- <laughs> I couldn't think of a better way to say it because he is slight. But that's really the only knock on him. You you watch him and he gets through progressions. I love Bryce Young. I, I said too. if he was two inches taller and twenty pounds heavier, he would be Andrew Luck esque. Mm-hmm. The problem is he's not. Uh, 
in terms of what you were saying about trading down, that's kind of like when I was in high school and I wanted to ask the prettiest girl to the prom just because I wanted to ask her to the prom did not mean she wanted to go with me. And <laughs> you're going to struggle to find anybody that wants to trade up because there's not generational talents. Now, to, to what positions are good, this is a fantastic cornerback class. Uh, Devin Weatherspoon and a slew of other Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Mm -hmm. The offensive line is really good. That's If Carolina sticks at nine, I'm taking Peter Skaronsky, and I don't think a second thing about it. If I can't get out, that's a fine plan B for me. Peter Skaronsky is a character actor, right? He was in uh, he was in a b bunch of mob movies, I think. He's a uh, <laughs> he reminds me a little bit of Rayshon Slater, which is lazy because that's who he replaced. The, okay, the left tackle for uh, the the Chargers. Right. I think he can be a Pro Bowl All Pro level guard, a really really good left tackle, or an All Pro level right tackle. And, and for Carolina, I'm not averse to just lathering up and doing again doing it again with Sam Darnold. Just increase the line maybe add a weapon and I, I there are worse scenarios in the worst division in the nfl by a mile yeah but i think uh i think we all agree that david tepper who will pull this string wants a quarterback and they're going to end up with a quarterback let me ask you randy about a, a another team another quarterback um what is ultimately do you think going to happen with lamar jackson I think he's going to get what he wants and Baltimore gets what they want. And that's Baltimore doesn't have to pay him and Lamar gets somebody else to pay him because if people are trading up in draft, we saw what Deshaun Watson got. Uh, Lamar Jackson is an absolutely dynamic player. If I'm the Ravens, I understand being a little trepidatious of giving a guy who gets dinged up, yeah. giving him a guaranteed contract. But if I'm another team that doesn't have Lamar Jackson and I can get Lamar Jackson, I'm willing to pay for that. Because unlike these rookies, he is a known commodity if he's healthy. Yeah, but isn't that the problem, Jeremy, is that we've seen the last two ends of seasons and Lamar Jackson is not on the field. We get a chance to see Huntley play. Uh, they actually, I think they used two different guys named Huntley either this year or last year, and we have no, we have no guys named Jackson. Uh, that has to be working against him, no? Well, he thinks that that all of these quarterbacks are going to get fully guaranteed deals, and they're not. Uh, you're going to see Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, probably all three signed extensions this year. They're all superior quarterbacks to Deshaun Watson, and none of them will get 100% guaranteed money. Cleveland was desperate. They, they, right. they were willing to do what no one else would do, and that's what it, it, it's seeming that Lamar is not hearing that. He, it's not a, we think Deshaun Watson's better than you. The Cleveland Browns were more desperate than the Baltimore Ravens are, and they always will be. That's why the Ravens are in the playoffs every year, and the Browns are in the top ten of the draft. And at some point, somebody has to make him understand that. I don't know that there's going to be a huge market for him. I mean, you you look at who's out there right now. I get that Lamar's 25 years old and a four-year starter, and all the, mm -hmm. he's also missed a third of his games over the last two years. So right. if you're the Jets or the Atlanta Falcons or the teams that I keep hearing attached to Lamar, right now you have to invest in the backup as well. He wants fully guaranteed money. And why would I not just go sign Derek Carr? Well, I mean, it's going to cost me less. Because you want a good quarterback. That's why. That's why. You, that you don't sign Derek Carr because you want a good quarterback. Oh, oh, come on. That's why I, you don't I sign Derek Lamar. Carr. Look, That's I know you're a Jets fan. I know you're a Jets fan. The fact that they said – 
come here and you'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, tells you everything you need to know about your team. Hey, we got I'm saying this directly into the camera. This year. I'm just saying we are a Hall of Fame town right now, you know, for, for one year with, with Revis stop. and Klecko and I, just, right, I, I'm I, making I, the best out of a bad situation. Joe Klecko uh, should go into the Hall of Fame just for his role in Cannonball Run. Uh, all right, let me uh, go back to Randy Slack here about your quarterback. You're a Bengals fan. Uh, so how are the Bengals going to come up with all of the guaranteed money that they must have in order to sign Joe Burrow? I'm really interested in this Joe Burrow situation just because he talked about he wants to make sure that the team has the money available to keep his playmakers. And Joe seems kind of like a weird guy where I don't think he would necessarily want to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Right. Not that he's going to take a pay cut at all, but I do think he's cognizant of, you know, keeping T Higgins, keeping Jamar chase and trying to get a t- cause it takes a team to win. And I, I, I wonder how that deal is going to be. I am terrified as well that, uh, Mike Brown is incredibly cheap and that this is going to rear its ugly head with Jamar Chase and his negotiations way more than it will with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, I don't know how this is going to play out, but if you have to have all the guaranteed money in essentially escrow when, at the time you sign that deal, it helps to be Jimmy Haslam. That's all I'm saying. It helps to have $230 I mean, million. Dollars. They did just sell the the naming rights to the stadium, and I know that may not seem like anything to anybody, but Mike Brown is loyal, and that's the one great quality he has, and he named that stadium after his dad, and they didn't change it for 20 years, and now they are. Now they're trying to find extra money, and it clearly has to be for something other than just his greedy pockets, and I feel like part of that's going to Joey B. I hope it does because that guy is as good as there is in the league. All right, we got about a couple of minutes left. Uh, how big of a weekend, how big of a stretch is this, Randy, for North Carolina coming up the last three games of the regular season? Well, if they don't win out, they're not getting into the NCAA tournament. Win so out? That's... I think they I think they have to they have to win these three. They have to win they have to All finish right. out the regular season winning these games. Uh, there's other than that, I don't really feel like they have a shot. Um, this is uh, I, I had Brendan Marks from the Athletic on my show earlier this week and uh, we talked with football and basketball. This has to be an NC State fan's favorite athletic year for North Carolina <laughs> athletics. <laughs> Jeremy, do they have to win out? I don't think they have to win out. I think they got got to win one of these two weekend games. Don't lose to Florida State, uh, and then don't uh, you know spill gravy on your shirt in Greensboro. What do you think, Jeremy? Well, I mean, this is a soft bubble. My my West Virginia Mountaineers would currently be in, and as somebody that's watched not every game but a lot of them, that should tell you that this is not the the strongest bubble. Right. I would say they could if they were competitive with Virginia, the Boston College thing didn't help because they got blown out by Boston College. Unbelievable. But if if Carolina can keep it close and look disciplined and lose by four against Virginia, right. blow out Florida State, which they should be able to do just because they show up and tie their shoes and put on the right jersey, and then beat Duke. Now you win a game or two in Greensboro, and and I would say you're in. You might be one of the first four and, and have to play in those play-in games. I just I, – I watch that Carolina team, and I see the talent, 
but every time I watch them, it looks like they just met each other 20 <laughs> minutes before Tim, which is crazy because they're one of the most veteran teams in the country. Yeah. There's just no cohesion there. And they settle for these weak threes and these bad offensive sets. But the, I mean, I still see the good from time to time. I just see it in five minute runs as opposed to two or three game stretches. So I think they can lose to Virginia and still be not in. They, like I said, they need to beat Duke and then need a couple wins in Greensboro. They're vampires. You can't kill them. Uh, the, I think if they win, can't lose to Florida State. If they win one of Virginia or Duke, uh, I think they're in good enough shape where as long as they don't go like complete, like one and done uh, in Greensboro, win, don't lose the 8-9 game, and then you're going to probably play either Virginia or Miami. Gives you another chance at a good win, but I think if they win either Duke or Virginia, I think they're probably okay, but... They're leaving it up to chance. Jeremy Green at ESPN Draft Nerd ESPN Asheville. Randy Slack at R Slack 37 because he's a huge Andre Svechnikov fan. ESPN <laughs> Wilmington. See, we didn't talk hockey. Uh, I'll talk to you guys down the road. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you. Adam. Chris Winningham from the Lebetard Show, also Inter Miami commenter or commentator. I don't know what commenter means, uh, with Apple TV. He's part of the Apple TV family that has MLS in its entirety, and the season starts tomorrow. Major League Soccer is back. Chris Whittingham, uh, at Chris Whittingham on Twitter. Thank you so much. Uh, can you believe the season is already here? No, I cannot, just because this offseason is one of such enormous change. You mentioned the Apple TV thing. I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm a part of it, so I'm a bit biased, but I, this is really exciting for me. I've, I've gotten the chance to see uh, what some of this stuff is going to look like. There were a couple of preseason broadcasts that went out. The picture quality is going to be much improved on a lot of MLS broadcasts from, mm-hmm. from years gone by. And I should say, this weekend, uh, the app, the, the so MLS season pass and Apple TV is the thing for the year. It's it's a subscription service. You have to pay either by the, by the month or by the year. But this weekend, if you want to sample some MLS, it's all free. All you have to do is have the Apple TV app on your smart TV or on your phone or on your devices, and you'll be able to stream any game from this weekend, uh, including the big one, which is LAFC, LA Galaxy, and the Rose Bowl, uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. So any game you want to stream, it's available. MLS season pass on Apple TV. That, that's the defending champs in the intercity rivalry. Uh is Messi here yet? Because I keep reading that Messi and maybe Busquets <laughs> are also coming to Inter Miami, which is obviously where uh, where you're based. Uh, that would be obviously phenomenal for Major League Soccer. Do you think something like that is even going to be possible, though? Yes, I, I think, and and po- I'm glad you said the word possible. So uh, my my colleague Mike Ryan Ruiz, who works on the Dan Levitard show with me, has been reporting a lot of this stuff out, and he. First off, it said that Busquets is a done deal. So from a reported standpoint, uh, he feels like that's going to get over the line. The Messi thing, he's Lionel Messi. He's the best player in the world. He just yeah. was the dominant player of the FIFA World Cup, which is the biggest sporting event on the planet. So for an MLS team to get a player who is at that stage of his career is unprecedented. And by its nature, then, I am naturally cautious about <laughs> getting any of your listeners that worked up about potentially having the best soccer player in the world come and play Major League Soccer potentially in a town near you and go drive up to Charlotte and maybe go see him at some point in the next couple of years. But I do think that it's a legitimate possibility. 
and that even in and of itself is an incredible testament to the work that Inter Miami has done here. But it's down to two teams if you if you judge the reporting. It's Paris Saint Germain right. who are owned essentially by a sovereign wealth fund <laughs> of the Qatar state, which is basically a, a limitless well of money. Right. And Inter Miami, who are obviously an MLS club and they're very ambitious MLS club, but they've been laying the groundwork for this for four years. So they are putting the full court press to get this done. It is a legitimate possibility. They have an attractive offer in front of Lionel Messi. And the question is, does he choose to continue his career in Europe um, and try and go for another Champions League title or kind of begin this next phase of his career, which could potentially be very lucrative for him both on and off the field and establish a legitimate legacy and give the United States an enormous step forward as they ramp up towards hosting the World Cup in three years' time. So that's the decision that's in front of him. It's a genuine possibility. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to put a percentage on it, but a genuine possibility that Lionel Messi could be playing his soccer in the United States of America come this July. How would that stack next to um, Beckham playing here uh, when he was here about, what, 10 or 12 years ago? Uh, Zlatan here. H- how would it stack next to something like It has to be way, uh, way ahead of those two. Um, so I don't, I don't want to tamp down what David Beckham did for this league because now the, the, the league is in a state where if they don't get Lionel Messi, life will go on. It it will, it will still, I mean, it's an enormous opportunity, but it's not make or break for major league soccer. Whereas you could have argued back when David Beckham joined the league in 2007, there were 10 teams in the league. There was a perpetual question of, is this league going to even carry on in the next five years? How many more owners can you attract into the league? <laughs> and again, it was a 10-team league in 2007, and one owner owned multiple clubs. And so to go from there, when Major League Soccer was in a completely different position to where they are now, 15 years later, there are 29 teams. There, are, there is one team that's worth a billion dollars, yep. according to Forbes. It's taken such an, an enormous leap forward that you would have to give David Beckham an enormous amount of that credit. He was such a famous figure at the time. They gave him you know, the ability to buy into the league, which he did in the form of Inter-Miami, and the league has grown so massively in that period. But I think what the Messi proposition offers is that next opportunity. It's the opportunity to you're launching a TV deal with Apple TV and you're trying to get people to subscribe to it, not just in the U.S., but the world over. Mm-hmm. And Messi would give you the chance to do that. You're, you would have the chance to sell out stadiums everywhere he goes. You have Messi and MLS making headline news on radio stations like your own and on ESPN and other major soccer covering properties. And so it would just be this gateway towards, I think, a different stratosphere of superstar than this league has ever had before. And you just can't help but be tantalized by the possibility of it. It would be an enormous boon for this league, and it would be an enormous boon for this sport. And you might have people that become soccer fans or go into their local MLS Mm -hmm. team or even down the leagues and go watch their local club because Lionel Messi is in this league because he's that big of a figure. And I don't think we can understate the amount of attention it would attract and the amount of interest it would bring to MLS. So it would just be an enormous deal. Chris Whittingham, Apple TV commentator, Inter-Miami. The whole league starts tomorrow. Apple TV, you have the, the MLS League Pass, is free the first weekend at Chris Whittingham. He's joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. Look, I remember 
when the L.A. Galaxy, which Beckham was a part of at that point, but he did not make the trip. Uh, and I think the third try, Landon Donovan did here to Raleigh when they played then the Carolina Railhawks, who were part of the North American Soccer League. Now the franchise here, NCFC, is playing in USL League 2 uh, or League 1. I think it's League 1, the second tier of USL soccer. Uh, so it's a different level now, but boy, those nights when it was the Galaxy and uh, the Railhawks were as electric as anything that we have seen in this market for any sport except the Stadium Series hockey game that we just <laughs> that we just saw on Saturday night. Let me. There's a couple. I want to get one more thing about MLS, and then I want to ask you about Europe real quick. The they've expanded the playoffs. The franchise values are through the roof. I think the average is over five hundred million now. Or uh, you know, maybe that's—I don't know if that's the low end or not. But uh, the league is doing so well, and they're expanding again. They're even looking at more expansion. Are we going to end up at forty teams and maybe have some sort of relegation? I—I I don't know. I—I uh, I, I do think that expansion is a fairly limitless possibility just because of the number of cities and i think now the number of ownership groups even for this so i think by the end of this year we'll have a 30th team don garber the mls commissioner has said that recently but i do think that if you look at the teams that were floated for this so the favorites are san diego and las vegas i would probably say las vegas of those two would be the more likely although it was always thought that the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights was going to lead that charge, and he actually decided, I'm not going to invest in MLS. I'm going to invest in a Premier League team. So he now owns AFC Bournemouth <laughs> right. in the Premier League. So I'd be curious from an ownership standpoint who, who gets that over the line. But I think so. you have those two teams, but also mentioned in that press conference were cities like Phoenix, cities like Tampa Bay that could be invested in MLS team. And you imagine if MLS went there, they would do very well. They would perform very well in those cities. Mm-hmm. Every new city – that is an MLS team is staggeringly behind their team. St. Louis is going to premiere this, uh, this year. They have 60,000 season ticket deposits. They built a 20,000 seat stadium. Like <laughs> there is enormous demand to go watch St. Louis. There's enormous demand to go and watch Austin and LAFC and a whole bunch of new clubs that have come into the league in these last five years. Nashville FC has a new 30,000 seat stadium that they're filling. Charlotte FC have done a really good job of, of selling tickets to their new stadium. So every new team that comes into the league is almost guaranteed success. And so why wouldn't, given the sort of unlimited player pool that is the world, you can yeah. grab players from anywhere in the world. It's not like in the NBA where there's a finite number of good basketball players, and once you get down to positions 13, 14, and 15 on the roster, you're not dealing with players that are going to make impacts on games. In soccer, you can just go to Germany or Middle Eastern leagues or South American leagues or anywhere in the world to get good players. And so the expansion is fairly limitless in that respect. I'll be curious where they draw that line. I'll be curious how they structure it in the future. But I don't, I don't see a cap on MLS expansion anytime soon just because of the crazy success that it's been in damn near every market that they've gone to since Seattle joined the league in 2008. Chris Whittingham is joining us here at Chris Whittingham on Twitter from the Levitard show, Apple TV, inter Miami commentator. Uh, I'm actually wearing a nine one nine to MLS t-shirt that when Raleigh was pushing for an MLS franchise back in the day, I don't know, 10 years ago or so uh, we were one of the favorites because of the passion for the sport here. Uh, maybe if we get to 40, maybe Raleigh will get back on the board. I have my doubts, but uh, it would be great to see it, especially as I have become such an enormous fan of the sport. Uh, by the way, 
thanks in large part to your passion uh, with the uh, with the late Grant Wall on uh, the Grant Wall Football Podcast, which I absolutely was addicted oh, to. For I'm 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 just not kidding about that. I, it is huge, hugely important to my development as a fan of the game. Let me ask you one question about Europe. Is the bigger story Arsenal on top of the table still? Man United looking like they're a legit contender. Marcus Rashford might be the best player in the league anyway. Or Liverpool struggling to even make Europa at this point. I, I, those are all massive. <laughs> I, I think you have to start with Arsenal just because it's such a surprise. If you go back to preseason, they were double digit. I think they were 50 to one to win the league this mm-hmm. year. It was so it's such a foregone conclusion that it was either going to be City or Liverpool that Arsenal have not even made Champions League in these last few years. Uh, we're completely out of it. So I think that's an enormous story, and the way that they're going to have to hold their nerve, as they'd say in the UK, over these last 16 games uh, when they've already dropped some results, they're playing. They're they're not as dominant as as they were in the first half of the year in this last month. So they've they've got to hold on. But I'm really stunned by what's happened in Manchester United in the last three months. Um, if you go back to the start of the year, they took some hammerings mm-hmm. uh, at the at the hands of teams like Brentford. And now, under Eric Ten Hag, their new coach, they look like they have a future. And that has not been said about Manchester United for a very long time. It's not just about, well, they've won some games here and there. They finished second under Jose Mourinho when they changed manager. They took steps forward under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but ultimately it led nowhere. They're building something. Yep. And they've big wins to show for it they could potentially win their first trophy in a long time this weekend and they just beat barcelona knocked them out of the europa league if they could win things if they can look like some of their players they spent a bunch of money on are actually getting better and they look like they're a coherent well-coached well-drilled team that's a huge step because since soccer i think has taken off and particularly the premier league has taken off in this country since they moved from fox to nbc manchester united have never been a threat to win the title manchester united are probably the most well-supported team in this country, if not the most well-supported team in the world. And they've been so far off it for this last decade that I think it would be so big for them to be back in a real genuine contender to win league titles. I'm fascinated by what they're doing. And I'm saying this as a Manchester City fan. So (laughs) I I, kind of think it's one of those things where Manchester United being good, it's like when you say that Notre Dame being good is good for college football or Duke basketball is being good mm-hmm. is good for college basketball. Manchester United being good is good for the Premier League and good for world soccer. No question about it. And considering the vulnerability, it seems, of City uh, and Arsenal, I think, looks as much tired as anything else. They don't have great depth. I know they added some. Jorginho was, uh, and Trossard is certainly going to have impacts on their uh, fortunes going forward, but Man U does look like they are still ascending, and Rashford scores basically every match. And I love Casemiro too. I thought that that addition. I didn't realize how good he was until I watched him play as much as I have now. Uh, I'm glad we didn't talk about Liverpool because I'm a Liverpool fan, and this has been uh, this has been a rough one. Although I am optimistic that they are going to at least make a run. I actually, I'm not so discouraged by 5-2 or 2-5 to uh, Real Madrid because Vinny Jr. is next level and he just abused them down the left side. But that's another story for another day. Chris Whittingham, I thank you so much for your time. At Chris Whittingham on Twitter from the Lebitard Show, Inter-Miami commentator, Apple TV, the free weekend is this weekend. It all starts tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Thank you.